Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Hiller. And we are still in the midst of the playoff NFL, NFL playoff push. Uh, the wild card games are over and done with, which means there's lots of eliminations as well as advancements. Heading into the divisional round, seeing two teams we haven't seen play yet because they got buys. There's coach news happening. Uh, discourse is a flutter. Corwin, are you ready to get into it? Yes, I am. But first, what's your hat say? But first, it says I'd rather be listening to Steely Dan. This is a I've recommended purchase hat. from Corwin Heller. He texted me a link to the, the site saying, I think you'd like this. And I did. And I bought the hat. I forgot I did that because my first yes. reaction was, oh, I just saw that the other day. That's pretty cool. Josh would like that. And I didn't send it to you this time. Well, you sent it to me like six months ago. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. It's a good and, hat. Uh, it's, it is a good. I have two. Nice. Yes, two colors. Uh, two colors. This one is uh, like an olive green and the other one no make like them watch a... make them watch the fucking video we do every week ah uh, yeah we'll get around to it okay um <laughs> anywho uh yeah so i guess we'll start by diving into uh this past week's matchups so i'll just pick one at random uh let's start with seahawks 49ers um uh, 49ers hosted the seattle seahawks and trounced them 41 to 23. This was a pretty close game heading into halftime. Uh, as the Seahawks were actually leading the game at that point in time, they then got outscored 25 to nothing in the third and fourth quarters before the Seahawks managed to collect a garbage time touchdown at the end of the game with about a minute 48 remaining, uh, to up their score total to. 23 down from 17 or up from 17, I should say. Um, whereas the Niners were just playing, you know, prevent defense at that point, not really giving a flying fuck. Uh, this was a, a much interested game for mostly the quarterback reasons. You know, this was Brock Purdy's continuation of the success that he'd had at the uh, end of the, the regular season, really ever since he took over the starting role. And this was curiosity around what's Geno Smith? You know, is he going to keep what he's been up to rolling along into the playoffs? And the answer to both guys is kind of like, yeah, they both did great. Um, Geno, you know, had a pick in there and got sacked a handful of times, but 25 for 35, 253 yards, two touchdowns and interception, a quarterback rating of 98.9. I think you'd be pretty fucking happy with that performance from Geno Smith all, you know, all day long. And Brock Purdy came out and just tore shit up. 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, one sack, a quarterback rating of 131.5 and a rushing touchdown. I mean, God damn. That is a very good stat line. Yeah, I, I know like that one blows Geno's out of the water, but Geno's stat line, like to his credit, it is a good stat line. Yeah. That um, is um actually just almost perfectly average with where he's been all season. And this was the season where he led the NFL in completion percent and set the Seattle Seahawks single season franchise record for uh, passing yards. So like perfectly good performance from him. Um, but Purdy was just on another level, apparently. If this was last season, uh, 
when the Pro Bowl was still a fucking mess and like 18 different alternates were named because of how many people were like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, I could very much see Geno Smith making the Pro Bowl. Uh, I don't know if he will this year just because I don't know how the new potentially fun one is going to play out amongst players, but this would have been a cool like season eight first time all-star season from a guy who has not started many full seasons in the NFL. Uh, yeah, this is a huge understatement. Gino's literally this is Gino's first full starting season since I shit you not 2014. Mm-hmm. 2014. 2014. Think about where you were in 2014. I was a that junior was nine in high school. years ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. is that January 2014 or like late 2014? Chances are he probably stopped being uh, you know, the, it's a 2014 season, so his last days as a starter were probably January of 2015. Fair enough. So, so I was year, a, a senior ago. in high school when Geno Smith last started in the NFL for a season. Yeah. Literally, since 2014 hmm. season, he had two one-off starts, uh, one single game in 2016 with the, with the Jets, one single game in 2017 with the Giants, started three games last year for the Seahawks, and then started all 17, I guess, 18 games with the Seahawks this year. Uh, and by the way, Corwin, he has been selected to the Pro Bowl. Really? Yes. We have not talked about the Pro Bowl yet. They they made a bunch of changes. It's supposed to, like Corwin said. Oh, for fun. this year? Yes, for this year. Sorry. Oh, God. I was thinking like previously and was like, Josh, what the fuck are you talking about well you know that Go they award away. you know that they award pro bowl appearances to fourth string quarterbacks i mean of they, course yeah, yeah yeah naturally um i was like but, I, I know they have like a special teams position now do they have a backup quarterback position for the pro bowl he actually made it in as a long snapper yeah he's the emergency long snapper he was so good holding it for field goals and extra points that they put him in the pro bowl um, but we have not talked about the, the the new fun Pro Bowl, which is fun, and I am actually looking forward to it, and we'll probably actually watch the Pro Bowl this year, I think. Uh, but we'll save that conversation for when the Pro Bowl is actually upon us, since it's the week between yeah. the conference championship and the Super Bowl when we feel like we never have anything to talk about. So we have not mentioned it, but we will. Anyhow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the the scoring for for this game was uh, as such. Started off uh, field goal, Christian McCaffrey passing touchdown, um, a Kenneth Walker rushing touchdown, another Robbie Gould field goal, DK Metcalf who collected uh, two out of three of the um, touchdowns for the uh, Seahawks. God damn. Uh, another field goal for Robbie Gould. Seahawks got a field goal. Purdy got a rushing touchdown. Elijah Mitchell caught a pat, caught a, a, a touchdown. Debo Samuel caught a touchdown. Uh, Robbie Gould field goal, and then DK Metcalf capping it off at the end. Um, is there any big takeaway for you from this game? Um, I mean, the better team won. Like the Seahawks played very, very well. They played to their peak in the first half, which coming into this game, Pete Carroll has said multiple times, like, hey, like it kind of sucks actually that we have to play San Francisco because they're stupid fucking good. And 
we'll go get him but like damn and people were giving him shit for it like oh one you can't say that as a coach and two Pete Carroll has never like gone into a game that he thinks he can win and not been like we're gonna fucking go and kick their asses um but they held firm played to their peak and kind of Lost a little bit of wind when San Francisco just kept fucking punishing them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it was a it was a close third quarter as well. You know, Seattle, Seattle, San Francisco pulled back ahead, t- getting in that that um, the one touchdown, the the Brock Purdy rushing touchdown. That was the only scoring of the third quarter. So even heading into the fourth, you know, it's uh, basic math twenty three against seventeen. It's like oh, fucking one score game exciting shit and then legit the fourth quarter starts with uh, a passing touchdown from from Purdy within within the first 60 seconds of the quarter and then is followed up within 3 minutes after that a, a Debo Samuel uh passing or uh receiving touchdown as well and so like right there within the first 5 minutes of the fourth quarter the game went from being 23 to 17 to being 38 to 17 <laughs> And it, yeah, go ahead. It is insane how explosive and efficient that offense is. It they create so much space for their guys. It's just it is crazy how often players are wide the fuck open in that offense, considering how many guys they have. Great team. Yeah, it's so well put together. Um yeah. What a like you have to a, defend uh Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, and just whatever random guys that they can throw in there. Like that's four top level uh talents at their positions across your offense. Good luck. Yeah, and one of the other things, speaking of the efficiency, that really stands out when you're looking at the play-by-play breakdown of this game, and well, we should probably move on to other games pretty soon because we've been talking about yes. this for a while. But um, here's a here's a wild thing for you: from the minute that um, San Francisco scored their second touchdown of the fourth quarter, so the the ten fifty one mark in in the quarter, ten minutes and fifty one seconds remaining, Seattle had the ball all the way until there were three minutes and 35 seconds remaining. They had possession of the ball for seven straight minutes. And in that time, only managed a single field goal, which took them six minutes of play. It took them six full minutes from when San Francisco scored their second touchdown of the fourth quarter to go up to 38, so up by a lot. 21 points six minutes to go down the field and kick a 31 yard field goal horrible clock management they then managed to perform the onside kick which is tremendous burn a minute and a half just about uh trying to get back down the field again in uh i don't know how many plays this is six plays and you know turn the ball over on downs essentially That's and uh, some guy in 1950 just creamed his pants about ball 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 possession and uh, just running it down their throats. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work in 2023. 
No, it, and you know that's that's the, and that's what everyone means when they're talking about efficiency. Moving the ball effectively, but plottingly, is totally fine. If you have a great defense and you're not trying to chip away at a deficit, but the second you're down in a game and you actually have to start moving the ball with some urgency, you need to be capable of doing that. And that's clearly where the Seattle offense failed. But anyway, uh, so Seattle takes a seat. Uh, the 49ers will go ahead and uh, progress into facing. Hold on. I meant to have this up and I completely forgot. Uh Shit, the not the Cowboys. Uh, uh, the Niners will be hosting the Cowboys Sunday night. Uh, Corwin, actually, we'll save that matchup for when we talk about matchups heading into next week. Uh, how do you feel about sure. the Seahawks heading into next year? Geno Smith, n- currently an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Pete Carroll, extremely old. Uh, <laughs> tough division. Thoughts? I mean, considering I had them as the worst team in the NFL going into the season, um, Better than that, I don't know if they're going to be a repeat performer for the playoffs just because of, God, how deep the AFC could be. Um, but I think they'll be a middle middle of the order team for the NFL. Uh, they also possess the fifth overall pick um, from Denver and the 20th overall pick from how they fared here at the end of the season. So... Let's talk about the next matchup, which was a fucking doozy. Chargers-Jaguars. Wow. Um, We actually watched this game together. We watched the first half of this game together, and it was such an embarrassing game for the Jaguars. Corwin turned to me right before halftime and said, what happens if the Chargers blow it? And incredulously, I had said the coaching staff must kill themselves on the field. Ritual seppuku in front of the entire fan base as it is a home game. Actually, no, it was a Jaguars home game. I'm I'm wrong about that. Not a Chargers home game. My mistake. But regardless, um, oof, because come halftime, this was looking like a, a not even a contest at the half. Evan Ingram. Uh, you know, caught a receiving touchdown from Trevor Lawrence to get them their first points of the night, 27 to seven. But up at that point, Trevor Lawrence had already thrown all four interceptions. He was going to throw that, 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 that day Four four fucking interceptions. I mean, at halftime, we were discussing this as like the most embarrassing game you could possibly have in the playoffs. Not just us. The 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 commentators. Everyone there. The commentators were dragging the uh the 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 Jaguars. And like anything short of them coming back and winning this game, like all of that equals like a perfectly even performance. All of the heroics that we're gonna I'm sure Josh will talk about, everything that happened to cause them to come back and win that game, anything less than that, and it still would have been a net negative because of how fucking awful that first half was. I, so I, I, what, what's worse? Ignore the stage for a moment. Which blowing it is worse. The um, Falcons blowing the Super Bowl to the Pats uh, 28 to three 
or the Chargers blowing it this game to the Jags 27 to nothing. With four fucking picks. <laughs> and a fumble recovery. That was also in the first half. Jesus. Can you Which repeat the worse? question aspect? Uh, it... <sighs> Ignore the stage for a moment. One is the Super Bowl. On one hand, like the individual performance of Trevor Lawrence in the first half is the worst aspect, but overall the entire Chargers team collapsed in the second, which is why I think from a team perspective, it has to be that because even though we like in this scenario, you're taking out all of like the emotional differences, all of the uh, just momentum and, uh, whatever you want to call it. That was a three phase failure rather than just one quarterback having the single worst night of his life. Cause it was. Uh, and here's something just real quick worth, I think highlighting. Um, so coming out of the locker room in, in the, the third quarter, the chargers, you know, kept possession of the ball. Uh, they start the, the, the half. In their first drive, which, uh, God, I wish they would just sum up how many. Um, sorry, I'm like losing my words. Sum up how many plays this is, so I don't have to sit here and fucking count. Uh, <laughs> regardless, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight plays in that opening second half drive. How many rushes do you think? Seven, um, seven, seven plays. I'll say because one of them is a punt. Six, six rushes. One. Sure. Wow. Opposite, opposite of what one. we were going for. It was the first rush, which was a negative four-yard play from Austin Eckler, and then six straight Justin Herbert passes. So then, Jacksonville gets the ball, and they score, and they get the extra point. So now it's twenty-seven to fourteen. All right. Chargers got the ball again. They uh they then run, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six plays. How many were rushes? Zero. Once again, one. They open up three straight Justin Herbert passes, a singular single Austin Eckler rush for a negative one yards, and then two more Justin Herbert passes before they uh, kick a field goal. Jack, so 30 to 14. Jacksonville gets the ball back. Uh, touchdown play. They get a two point attempt. Uh, it's They miss it. Uh, it. 30 to 20 now. All right. We're in the fourth quarter. Justin Herbert. Sorry, the Chargers have the ball. They run. Uh, <laughs> well, this is a long drive. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen plays, excluding uh, the final play. Thirteen plays. How many were rushes? Thirteen plays. I want to say that they had three or four first downs within there. Probably more with penalties. I'll I'll say like two rushes. Four rushes. Nine passing plays and four rushes before ultimately attempting a missed field goal. 
So if you're keeping track at home, they ran one rush in their first drive of the third quarter, one rush in their second drive of the, of the third quarter, and then four rushes in a 13 drive, uh, 13 play drive in the fourth quarter for a total of six rushing plays in the entire second half so far. So still third and 20 Jacksonville gets the ball. They score a touchdown, make the two point conversion. Now it's uh 30 to 28. All right. Chargers got the ball and they're feeling some pressure at this point in time. There's five minutes and 25 seconds left on the clock. So that's a lot of time. That's got to get burned, right? They run, they get three and outed. How many rushing plays? Zero. Zero. Not a one. They have to punt. Yikes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars get the ball back with three minutes and nine seconds. They go down the field, kick a field goal, win the game 31 to 30. In totality, once being up 27 to nothing for over a half of a football game, the L.A. Chargers ran six rushing plays. Six rushing plays, mind you, for what and I'm not going to go back and count. What is almost assuredly negative yardage? <laughs> I don't know how you just um, after the, the sheer volume of criticism around how the Falcons conducted themselves in their blowing of the 28 to three Super Bowl, largely being surrounded by not running the ball in the second half, which inherently is not running time off the clock. It's wild to see it happen again with the same exact mistake. No, it, this is even like the Falcons ran more than this. Like they, they probably had more than six rushes in the second half of that game, let alone the entirety of the game. Um, it, it makes me feel a little better that uh, Joe Lombardi was fired shortly after this game. Um, so the bad man is gone, but I mean, Austin Eckler is such a dude. Like it's, he's definitely, you know, top five as far as running backs this season. I get that it wasn't quite, uh, as effective as the regular season because of them playing, you know, the San Francisco 49ers. It's just a complete loss of, not identity, but just common sense. Well, that's what really does it to me. And look, the the passing in the later goings, I can understand maybe a little bit more because you you need some first downs to more effectively burn off the clock. I I get that, but those early those those two drives in the third quarter where they just didn't run the ball, that's where you lose me. You have such a gigantic cushion of time that you have to winnow away. Almost anything can happen in an NFL game if you give your opponent enough time to do it. That is your number one enemy when you are up or down in a game is either fighting against the clock to get all those points back or fighting against the clock to make sure that you hold whatever lead you're clinging to. And to be so wantonly disconcerned with the clock in that instance is just fucking nuts. By the way, those six running plays totaled seven yards. Um, seven. That's one really bad. I also just realized I said that they were playing the 49ers in my little rant. And I would like to apologize for that. A real, truly, mea culpa. Um, 
Kyle Shanahan lowers his his pitchfork. What was the uh, what's the next game we got? Well, just just real quick uh, because we didn't mention it, uh, the the performances by by the teams, by the the quarterbacks at at the very least. Justin Herbert, uh, twenty five for for. 25 of 43, 273 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, three sacks. That's a quarterback rating of 84.7. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 47, 288 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions, two sacks. That's a quarterback rating of 70.2. Uh, and I just want to ask. I think if you go ahead, do you, you, you ask first. I want to ask if this was an impressive performance from Trevor Lawrence or worrying um i think it was for trevor lawrence moving forward despite it being a you know net even game i think this is a positive result losing your composure in the first half being completely lost and i mean we were watching him play he was making terrible reads terrible decisions terrible throws and putting them in bad spots. He was as bad of a quarterback as we've seen play, regardless of pedigree and what we've seen previously. And the fact that he was that rattled and was able to not just buoy himself, but to drag up the guys around him, that's impressive. That's incredibly impressive for what he will inevitably have to overcome throughout his career. That is impressive. I, I will agree. Um, I have I have a complex opinion on this. So complex, most of you plebs won't even get it. <laughs> I'm so deep. No, but I, I I do have an opinion of this as a man who has rooted for very bad teams over the years, which is it's super important to see him dig himself out of this from a player development standpoint. Because you know what you don't want? You don't want to say to yourself, oh, well, he had a bad game. He'll turn it around next year, but then he goes into next year with the demons from this game. Like the fact that he can shake that shit off and come out in the second half and just demolish is amazing because that gives you hope that, you know, the mental fortitude aspect, which can be tough for a lot of players, especially under uh, big lights in premier positions like quarterback can be really challenging, which is why people describe playoff nerves or unexperienced in a playoff sense to younger teams and younger players. So to see him come out, and you know, shake it all off, a la Taylor Swift is uh is awesome. However, if this becomes a trend, which is incredibly rocky, if not downright terrible, first half performance coupled with a out of this world second half performance, that's the sign of a player who's just not good. That's the sign of a player who is getting by on the fact that maybe defenses aren't playing him as tough as they did in the first half because they feel like they don't need to, or they're playing more prevent and he's getting away and he's getting away with stuff that he might otherwise not have gotten away with. Because part of the other thing about this great comeback performance is that it's also predicated upon the fact that the chargers offense did nothing. And if the chargers offense put together a singular touchdown drive, the Jaguars don't win this game. And so that's the one thing that anyway, Trevor Lawrence deserves a ton of praise for this. I'm not trying to take away from this instance. However, if it happens consistently or you know enough times to form a trend, that is a bad sign. Sure. I'm here to tell you, 
throwing four interceptions in the game is not good. I will say the trend of Chargers collapsing is incredibly worrying because that's not like a player issue because it's happened for the entire history of that team. Um, That's an organizational one. Um, That's why it feels like this has been so consistent throughout the quarterback changes, the head coaching changes. Like, tell me how this team is any different than it was under Anthony Lynn. I want dying to hear it. Where's 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 Anthony Lynn now? Right now, um, home fucking his <laughs> wife. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Anthony Lynn with the oh, he's the running back coach with the Niners. Really? Yes, he is the assistant head coach and running backs coach. Anthony Lynn in the playoffs on a Super Bowl favorite. Hey, good for him. Um, good for fucking him. That being said, I think. Brandon Staley is a very good coordinator and play caller, or maybe not play caller is the right term, but game planner. Um, I don't know necessarily how I view him as a head coach because I don't really follow the Chargers that closely, but I do think the majority of their issues lies with the overall team culture and management that he is not necessarily FBI's most wanted for. Yeah. Yeah. I have, um, I have a similar opinion on, on Todd Bowles who we will get to uh, later. So let's, let's move on. So Actually make some, headway. that's also how I felt about Anthony Lynn when he was the coach. You might be right. The coordinator, not a great overall team. Dan Quinn you know, head coach. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we will. Guys we, I want to save this coordinators, and that's not a bad thing. I want to save more of this discussion for when we get to uh, the the other the Bucks topic. game. Uh, uh, all right, so Miami. Oh, and that, yeah, uh, Miami Bills. Oh, sorry, real quick. Uh, Chargers lost. I guess there's no real point in going into more uh, discourse about what where do they go from here because we kind of just did in saying it's an organizational issue. So I guess let's just move on. Uh, Bills. I will say, I will say one final comment. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. If Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow swapped, um, spit. Not. To... <laughs> Stop talking about. Are you uh, shipping hopes and dreams? Yes. Um, first word. rate. Um, fuck. What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> if you swapped situations when they were drafted. I think Justin Herbert would be a league MVP type player. Oh, that's an interesting opinion. I have not thought about it. Hmm. All right, something to ponder on. Yeah. Let's take this into the Bills-Dolphins game, which I think was another very surprising game. Uh, the outcomes of all of these games so far haven't been extremely surprising. The Jaguars taking uh, over the Chargers was a little bit surprising, but like people are a little, predicting A little that. bit surprising. Like overall, sure, but like once that game started, and we got I mean, I mean, time, if you that was if, the least. If you don't look at the in-game odds, if you take it before the game had started, like Corwin had picked the Jaguars to win that game, not the route he envisioned, but like Ooh. Corwin did pick that the the char- the Jaguars to win that game, uh, and much like that, you know, I think we all expected the Bills to win this game, which they did, thirty-four to thirty-one. However, 
Ooh, that is a lot closer than I think any of us thought it was going to be. Um, the quarterback lines, because that was the the big thing from this game as well, is that the Dolphins are starting a third string quarterback, and this is Josh Allen's triumphant return to the postseason. Um, Skylar Thompson, eighteen for forty five, two hundred twenty yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, a quarterback rating of forty four point seven, by far the worst we've seen so far. Even managing to outpace Trevor Lawrence largely because Trevor Lawrence had a huge comeback second half. Uh, Josh Allen, 23 for 39, 352 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 93.1 sacked seven times. I missed that sack, sacked seven times. Uh, quarterback rating of 93.1. Uh, yeah, we'll get into some of the scoring breakouts of how everything got to be wearing, where it was, but what was your impression of this game? Couple things. Uh, I think the Bills definitely have issues uh, offensively. Uh, Josh Allen has had quite the up and down season. Um, he really aired it out here, um, which hey, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But there were a lot of fifty-fifty balls that you know could have gone many different directions. Um, I don't think they're quite the same class of team they were last year and I think a lot of that comes down to defensive injuries um, and probably early on some expectations uh, coming into the season they're a great team that were definitely the more talented team on the field in this game but uh, I just I'm losing hope for a Super Bowl push from the Bills Um, the Dolphins on the other hand I mean, Skylar Thompson did not play well, but I think it really goes to show how good of a both how good Tyreek and Jalen Waddle are. Even with the drops, they are insanely good with a very subpar quarterback. But Mike McDaniel, man, he I think he can be like a special coach. Both the attitude he has with the team and his ability calling plays, I think if he could be like 75% of what Mike Tomlin is as far as locker room culture and building a winning culture for a team, I think he could be that uh, just unbelievable coach um, for the next 15, 20 years. Um, although, if they don't get quarterback figured the fuck out for the future, this could be a bumpy road. Mike Tomlin was gifted Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I just hope Mike McDaniel can get that lucky. I I agree on all fronts. Um, it's amazing because I, and I sorry I got a little bit distracted. I was looking at um, starting line of scrimmage for both teams. Um, because whoa, it's whoa, like whoa 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 you got distracted by random information while you're opposite is going on a long tangent. No, no, no. Josh, See, that's this is thing. how I live in this podcast. That's, that's the thing. It's not random information. It's pertinent information for the discussion at hand, something that you never seem to have. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche, good sir. Uh, if you look at Buffaloes, they largely start on their own side of the field. You know, you know most of their performance or their, their drives start somewhere between the Buffalo 25 and the Buffalo 35. Uh, they started on the Miami 23 once, uh, that must have been the one of the interceptions. They started on the Miami 33, and they started once on the Miami 43. Everything else is pretty much the Buffalo 
again, 25 to, to, to 35. Uh, if you uh, hip hop on your way over to the, uh, the dolphin side of things, they start on Buffalo's side of the field uh, several times. And that's, not that they started necessarily more than I guess the Bills started on Miami's side of the field, but every time Miami started on the Buffalo side of the field, they got points. Every time. The only two times Miami scored while starting with the ball on their own side of the field was the one time they started on their own 40. So great field position. And then they scored a single touchdown. Um, at the end of the third quarter, starting from their own 25, an 11-yard play, chewing up six minutes. They went 75 yards down the field for a touchdown. You take away all of these scoring drives, and their longest drive that didn't result in the score was uh, 30 yards that they turned over on downs at the end of the game. So even then, we're really playing prevent defense, so that doesn't count. So you take that one out, their longest drive is 13 yards. So if you take out all of their drives, their longest drive is very short. Well, no, it, it, um, what, what I mean to say is when they had good field position, they were they, able to took advantage of it. Yeah. And when they didn't have good field position, it, it's almost like they didn't know what like them with good field position. The team is run really well. Then without good field position, you're like, oh, that's right. Skylar Thompson is the starting quarterback of this team. Yes. By golly, Miss Molly, this team is fucking garbage and got Molly walked. I think the emphasis definitely needs to be that they are efficient with the ball and a short field rather than bad from far away. Just because I feel like for most NFL offenses, starting deep in your own side of the field is a challenge regardless. Yeah. I, and I, I, you know, like Buffalo's, Buffalo's first drive of the game, they started on their own 25, went 43 yards, and then turned the ball over on downs. That's hard. But it's, I, it's hard I liked, the, that field. I liked the play call. It didn't turn out in their favor, but I liked the play. Right. Oh, man. The one Buffalo play. Uh, Buffalo Drive starting on their own 30, negative 17 yards into fumble. Oof. Sick. Oof. And then followed Sick. it up. Their next drive after that, their 10th drive of the game, uh, six plays starting on their own 24, went 29 yards and a punt. But it's like that's a type of line that the Bills or the, that the Dolphins just don't have. They were either going to go down the field and score whatever they could get, or you were pushing them back. Like there was no in between. I think a lot of that is just like, man, Skylar Thompson, rookie seventh rounder, not named Brock Purdy from not a pro style offense. Good luck, buddy. This, Hey, hell of a ride. Their, their first three drives, Miami, that is 11 plays total in the first three drives, 11 plays, 14 yards (laughs) had the ball for, uh, just under four minutes, just over four minutes, um, nice. and an interception, two puns and an interception. It's just amazing. Uh, so yes. you know, Buffalo takes the game. Um, it's kind, it's kind of ugly. The the uh, interceptions from oh Josh Allen. I keep losing everybody's fucking name. Uh, came 
both in the second quarter. So, I I mean, again, you I can sit here and cherry pick stats all day, but you you, you take them away, it, it's it's a pretty good it's a pretty good game. You know, they they score three times in the first quarter, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. Looks like it's going to be a fucking blowout. Um, Miami then. You know they kind of like traded back and forth. First quarter it's all Buffalo. Second quarter it's it's all Miami. Um, especially with those interceptions coming out and, and really you know hurting the team. And then in the third quarter, uh, you know two touchdowns within you know four minutes of each other on the play clock or on the uh, the the game clock. And then the fourth quarter they didn't do anything. They really didn't have to. Just chewing up clock. What? Uh, what do you think about Josh Allen and this Buffalo team heading into uh, next week? We'll talk about matchups specifically when we, when we get to that part of things, but just uh, kind of in general. Because um, one of the other things that was surprising, Josh Allen, four rushing attempts for 20 yards. That was it. Yeah. Really low low uh, yards from scrimmage game with the knees. Which is probably a good thing for him, uh, considering how much weight has been put on his shoulders. Uh the, they definitely have the talent. We know that uh, to beat whatever team they play next week. It's really just, hey, can we be consistent throughout the course of a game and just be steady? Don't get, you know, hey, no such thing as getting too hot, but just don't let yourself get too cold. Don't force anything. Don't, you know, just play to the team, not, you know, playing to force every ball into every window and score a touchdown on every drive type of situation. So force they'll be fine to every hole. You're goddamn right. Yeah. Uh, so Miami, they fall here. Um, they are, they've already said that they are expecting to attack if I love to be back next season and to be the starting quarterback. So they have that. Um, they also do not possess a first round pick this draft. It was forfeited the, as I believe part of the um, Brian Flores uh, complaint. I believe that's why that was forfeited. Correct me if you think I'm wrong. Um, what do you think about them heading into next year after what was a, a rather good season in a really tough division this year? Um, trading away all your first round picks and then losing an additional first round pick definitely sucks. Um that being said, if Tua can play and play healthy, they could be a very good team. Uh, to some extent, I worry about the absolute ceiling uh, with Tua because it's not the level of you know Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. Uh, but I think the scheme will allow the offense to reach those levels. Um, defense, if they could just be fucking healthy for a season. Yeah, I am. Um, it's it's going to be tough to see how the team develops, to see how um, Mike McDaniel's handles the second year being a head coach. I've seen this with so many Jets teams where the first year or two of a new head coach's tenure will be like, we won 10 or 11 games and made the playoffs. And then every year after that is garbage. So, um, We'll see. I mean, you know, it, it's going to it's gonna be an interesting year of development for what is a young and promising, but also very much so in flux uh, Dolphins team uh, in a in a division that is rapidly improving, which is one of the differences between the Dolphins and, say, the Jaguars, where mm. that division is garbage and no team but the Jags is really close to being very good. 
the closest is maybe the Titans, and there's still so many holes and questions with that team. Uh, whereas with the AFC East, like the Patriots are very clearly getting better. The Dolphins are good. The uh, the Bills are great. The Jets are clearly starting to get better, even if it's been a wacky path. There, there's room for them to be, uh, you know, eight nine win team next year. So it'll, you know, those wins will have to come from somewhere if they should get better, and the Dolphins will have to match it if not beat it. Anyway, good luck. Uh, Giants Vikings Giants Vikings uh, home game for the Vikings where they got beat by the New York Giants the 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 New York football gigantes uh oh what a beautiful thing it was what a beautiful thing it was uh, I had picked the Vikings out of a, a a at this point typical New York playoff sports despair and was so happy to be proven wrong um I I pull for the Giants I always pull for the Giants when they're not Did playing the Jets I think I went six and0 on my picks I think you're 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 immaculate so far, yeah. Hell yeah, um, I should gamble. Um, oh, you you see, you say that, and then yeah. that's when the because that's the other no. part about this. This is maybe the only upset. Everything else was chalk. So, yeah, essentially. It's, it's like yeah. So it's this is a pretty easy week to go six and zero oh on. Uh, the you know I, mean? I don't think the Jags were favored. I don't. I don't actually know. I think the Chargers were favored. I, Regardless, I, it, it yeah doesn't matter. Um, uh, Giants came out. Like yeah, I loved the scale. It was great. <laughs> uh, uh, Vikings took the first score. Giants scored uh, two touchdowns back to back in pretty quick succession. Held the lead the entire game. Uh, yeah, score was never, never even tied. Oh, actually, no, it was. Sorry, it was tied in the fourth quarter. Real quick, I forgot about that. Uh, Brief, brief moment where it was 24-24. Let's talk about quarterbacks, and then you know we'll we'll get into it a little bit more granular. Daniel Jones having maybe the game of his fucking career. 24 for 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns, no interception, three sacks, a quarterback rating of 114.1, and 78 yards on the ground. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 31 for 39, 273 yards, two touchdowns, no sacks, a 112.9 quarterback rating, and a one-yard rushing touchdown. Corwin, tell me about this game. Um, I grew up watching the Giants, and I genuinely don't like seeing them win. I don't know why. <laughs> like, I think it's just like, a little bit of being a sore loser and just like, Hey, this is everyone else's favorite team. I hope they lose. Fuck them. (laughs) But regardless, uh, yeah, Daniel Jones has definitely blossomed to an extent with a lot of pressure being taken off his shoulders with the offensive system. Um, that offensive line could be really good. And I think Saquon Barkley could be an absolute superstar in a way that, you know, he kind of has or was to start his career um, with Brian Dable. I think he is a fucking superstar, too. I think he is uh, a kick-ass head coach. I think they absolutely adore him with that, you know, in that team. That team? Amongst the team? Whatever. In that um, locker room. Yeah. I just I don't know what you do about the Daniel Jones situation. 
of yeah he is probably the best option as far as talent and continuity mix but oh god could you ever win a super bowl with daniel jones at quarterback we're gonna find out this maybe year. yeah maybe but i don't think it's something that you want to put real money into moving forward well this but is no. this is kind of the um the 2012 ravens kind of thing you know what i mean where it's like yeah. all right how good is flacco we don't think like super good but, but maybe if, if good, he pe- absolutely peaks no at no, the no right not time? even that not even that if if he can not fuck it up and we can put a good enough team around him that he can be serviceable enough that we win this. he had a great postseason run i'm not trying to eliminate that but the thinking from the front office has to be as long as he doesn't suck we have put together a good enough team otherwise with a good enough coaching staff that we can win with him. We won't win because of him, but we can win with him. I think you've got to approach it like that. Obviously, it didn't work out super great for the Ravens because after giving Flacco his contract, he was not spectacular and, you know, is very much so not finishing his career with them. He's been with the Jets for the past two years. But uh, I think given, especially given what this market for quarterbacks currently is and the lack of draft capital that the Giants have to potentially get someone uh get a premier guy in 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 the draft they their best bet is to probably bet on Daniel Jones and just ride that out i, I the the Giants currently own let's see if they have any second picks nope currently own the 26th pick that is subject to change i would assume uh, based on playoff performance, but as of right now, if the draft was today, they would have the 26th pick in the draft. And, you know, like Lamar Jackson was taken 32nd or some shit like that. Like there's good quarterbacks that get drafted late in the first round, second day type guys. It happens. You don't bank on it, though. Uh, but no matter what, I think that Daniel Jones has has to has to has to be the starting quarterback of the New York Giants next season yeah I, I really don't see a situation where a guy who could come in and start next year is available for them i mean like maybe a will levis falls maybe an anthony rich anthony richardson will probably fall um what would you do if aaron Rodgers got traded to the giants uh that would be a kick-ass team he would go from having no wide receivers to no wide receivers which would be fucking hilarious it'd be pretty fucking uh, funny I never once thought of that until now being a possibility, and that's the funniest option. Um, yeah, uh, that'd be pretty yeah. cool. I think I think that'd be successful. A Brian Dable Aaron Rodgers mashup would be fun. Probably the best head coach Rodgers has had. Yeah, uh, weirdly I, enough, we don't even we don't even know how good of a head coach he is outside of this one singular season. But it's true. Who else? Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur. Eh, I guess Matt LaFleur hasn't been awful. Mike LaFleur? Which one? No, Mike LaFleur was the Jets guy. Mm, oh, no. no. Matt LaFleur was the Packers. Mike. Stop naming your kids all with the same first letter. It's not cute. <laughs> I hate it. These whites need to stop. Um, Josh, certified Kim Kardashian fan. Or the Kardashians fan. Oh, do they all have the same first letter name? They do. How is that your I go-to think, reference? How I do think you know the that? Mom and, dude, who do I who do I spend my time with? Come on. 
Oh, your dad is a big Kardashians fan. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I forgot how much John Heller loved the Kardashians. I don't think my father could name a Kardashian. Jim? Jim Kardashian? <laughs> uh, you know what? I think he'd know Bruce. Well. I forget Bruce's he, last name, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, it's funny. I recognize Jenner from Caitlyn, not Bruce. Uh, that's that's weird. I guess yeah, Caitlyn Jenner's name has been in the news a lot over the last decade. When was the last time you heard the name good. Bruce Jenner? Yeah, that's weird. Anywho, a movie that he was in, well, she was in at some point. Doesn't matter. Um, so a lot has been made of Daniel Jones's performance because you know they fucking won. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I've heard maligned a lot for this game. Tough to malign what is undoubtedly a really good performance uh three touchdowns only missed eight passes that's it the quarterback rating over a hundred uh i think i mean what what do you make of this vikings performance that you know ultimately gets them bounced out of the playoffs i mean it's pretty much what we saw all season right like some really great moments, inconsistent team. Justin Jefferson is really fucking sick. Um, but they have just been very successful on a lot of inconsistent or improbable play, whatever. Um, that's what happens when you're up and down all season. You Even when you're up, you have the chance to just drop right back down. Yeah. And this is a this is an interesting game as well because this was the whereas like the Bills Dolphins game was very much so a battle of field position. This game's field position was basically neutral. Every single drive Minnesota had started on either their own twenty five or just below their own twenty five. Well, their first five drives of their eight drives total started on their own twenty five. Uh, their sixth drive started on their own 24, their seventh drive started on their own 23, and their last drive of the game started on their own 12. Um, <laughs> all of the Giants' drives, except for their very last drive, their ninth drive, all of the Giants' drives started on their own 25 as well, or lower, um, closest to their own end zone being the nine-yard line. No, neither team started... Uh, neither team had good field position at all, which... Um, is such an interesting aspect of this game. Like there, there, there were only a total of five punts in the uh, the entire game. This game was a Hell lot, yeah. a lot of long fucking drives. The Giants drive to get their field goal in the uh, at the start of the second quarter took ten minutes and fifty two seconds. It was an eleven. They played almost an entire quarter of football to move the ball eighty five yards for a field goal. It's just amazing. That's peak, peak efficiency. Yes, yes, it is. They twenty plays, eleven minutes, eighty-five yards, and a field goal. Stupendous. <laughs> What's funny, though, you know, like while laughing about it, is that in the second quarter, I think you know, I think that's that's the kind of drive that was missing from the chargers. Obviously an 11 minute drive is hilarious and ridiculous. And like, you don't plan out an 11 minute drive, but like at that point, when the giants got that field goal, they were winning by a score and got points attack on. 
And while, again, you cannot plan out a 20-play, 11-minute drive, it's those types of goofy-ass, weird, long drives that resulted in touchdowns that the, the Chargers, for example, just did not have and cost them their game. You know, like the Giants won this game by a single score. If they had left too much time on the clock when the game had reached its conclusion, you know, or when they had bequeathed the ball back to the, the Vikings at some point, they might not have won the game. It's that type of shit that, that you know, you look back on in the second quarter and you go, yeah, yeah, needed, needed that one. Really needed that one. Uh, how about TJ Hawkinson real quick before we move on? What a fucking game from him, huh? He's a very good player. Um, I do like how his comments after being traded from the Lions were that uh, he was going to go off and finally be able to win games. And then one, I guess now has tied the Lions a number of wins, uh, having to go into the playoffs to do so. Um, he's a great player. Um the Vikings love utilizing tight ends and have for a long time. And I think he's the best one they've had. 11 targets, 10 receptions, 129 yards, the leading receiver between both teams. Uh, no touchdowns in that, but still, I just mean, God damn. Uh, and yeah, low, low turnover game, no interceptions from either side, uh, no fumbles from either side, just long, long drives. That's it. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's next for the Vikings? Um, boy, I don't know. I don't think much is going to change going into next year. Still going to be Kirk Cousins. No offensive differences. Defensively, nothing much is going to change. I don't 24th think fourth pick in the draft. Yeah, like nothing. Nothing is moving the needle. Oh, interesting. Next year, 2024, Kirk Cousins' cap hit is $12.5 million. Did not realize that. That's, oh. that's a good chunk of change. Well, not for a quarterback. That's nothing. Um, What'd you say? $12 million. I heard much more than that. Um, yeah, you're an yeah, idiot. Well, yeah. well, we know this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he also, what's not showing there, though, is that he gets a $20 million roster bonus. So it'll end up being thirty-two million against the cap. I believe that's the number I heard. His cap hit right now is twelve point five million dollars for for twenty twenty-four, but that does not include his roster bonus of twenty million dollars because he hasn't earned it yet. But once he gets it, I'm I'm assuming that will go against the cap hit or count towards the cap hit. Sure, dude. Oh, funny money, man. It's all funny money. All right. Two games left. The last game with a Sunday night slot or slate um, is the Ravens-Bengals game. Uh, Once again, all chalk here as the Bengals come out on top, 24-17. to I think this is our lowest scoring game of the week. Uh, Yeah, looks like it. Every other game had at least one team cross a 30-point threshold. This team did not have... Uh, one of those at all. Uh, this is also one of the only two matchups that had a team score under 20 points, so definitely our lowest scoring matchup. Um, Tyler Huntley was the starter for the Ravens and put up a decent enough game. 17 for 29, 226 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, two sacks, a 92 on the dot quarterback rating, and 54 yards on the ground. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Joe Burrow, 
23 for 32, 209 yards, one touchdown, no interception, four sacks, a quarterback rating of 99.6, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Corwin, tell me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I think Huntley played like a very top-tier backup quarterback. You know, not quite the guy you would want for 17 games and the playoff push, but he'll be able to, you know, move the ball around, make, for the most part, good enough decisions, not be a black hole of production and talent. Uh, that being said, I am, I, I don't care about this game as much as I do what the future holds for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. I, yeah, I was going to say the same. That That's very much the story coming out of this. It's the game we all kind of sort of expected. I would have expected the Bengals <laughs> to have a little bit of a bigger game. Um, but, you know, the Ravens moved the ball enough. A lot of well, frankly, play, a lot of scrambling. Fr- frankly, this would have been a very different game if not for the 14-point swing on that 98-yard fumble return. Oh, I see it's what you're saying. different yes. game. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it took me a second to remember... Yeah, um, which was super fun. That was a real blast. Love seeing other teams' misfortune. Um, <laughs> hater at heart, baby. Hater at heart. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, because you know, you, you had said last week when we had recorded, um, that Tyler Huntley's performance in this game would be something of an in, uh, of an indicator for potentially what the Ravens would do about Lamar Jackson. And so that was kind of like crawling around my head as I was watching the game of, is this a good enough game from Huntley for the Ravens to be like, we have enough? Or do they look at this performance from the team and from Huntley and say, it's not enough. Like, we 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 need Lamar in here. And uh, a handful of the players had also said we would have won if we had Lamar, which is... I mean, that's the type of talk you just don't hear from players. Like that's that's big. So, it, man, it's fucking tough to gauge. It really because this is not a bad performance from Tyler Huntley. It's not, yeah. but this is also probably the best performance they're going to get from him. Uh, in in a, in a macro sense, this is probably like like a, something that can be viewed as a ceiling. And I don't know if that wins you a championship. Unless know, so, yeah, I, it it's too good of a division now for that to be a a given with a guy like you know Tyler Huntley. Like I I don't think he has showed at any point the ability to take over this team and steal away the reins from a guy like Lamar Jackson of all people. Um, but the Ravens have been for my entire life watching the NFL a top three or four front office and, you know, overall organization. I couldn't imagine them just letting Lamar Jackson walk away. Like I understand it is an atypical situation with everything that's gone on, on top of the fact that he is not represented by a professional agent. I don't know if he's asking for, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown funny money, but fuck, man, I just, I couldn't imagine letting a guy who just 
walked into a Hall of Fame trophy and in the prime of his career just go. And on top of all of that, the locker room reaction from a handful of players that have played with Lamar, J.K. Dobbins, Sammy Watkins, you know, even John Harbaugh had some very questioned comments in the postgame presser, the the a presser later on. I don't that is a wild locker room situation that I, as a Steelers fan, I am enamored because I would love to see quote unquote the Roman Empire fall. I I think one if Lamar Jackson is to not be on the Ravens next year, I would have to imagine it would be in a tag and trade situation. I because because you're right. There's no way they let him walk for nothing. So I'd have to imagine it's a tag and trade. And if that were to happen, I would imagine that the conversation in the front office is something akin to, okay, here's how we did with Tyler Huntley and the team we have constructed today. Do we think by making adjustments, you know, put, take take the quarterback position, put it over there, the rest of the team, if we are there enough adjustments reasonable to be made within our ability to improve this roster enough that we don't have to bring the quarterback piece back into this conversation? And then part of that will be amplified by what do we think we can get in a tag and trade for Lamar Jackson? And how can that better color this picture? I'm not I'm not saying that's what they're going to do because we have no fucking clue. But for me, the the two options are weighing those two marginal utilities, right? How much better are we with maybe less flexibility in the other parts of the roster, but with Lamar Jackson because of the dollars that will have to get committed to him will inhibit your ability to sign more free agents. Or how can we do with a potentially, not like supercharged roster, but a, a Im- improved roster with free agent signings, vets, more signing, uh, trade and signings, you know, that type of shit. Uh but with a, a patch over the quarterback position. It's tough. Especially since I know this is a bit of a cliche, but is very much true for Lamar Jackson. He requires a certain type of offensive coordinator to really have him live up to his potential because most, I don't want to say most, but a large number of offensive coordinators have their scheme have their system and require players to fit into that system for it to work. Not everyone can manipulate their system and build around the quarterback who is, you know, Lamar Jackson is a very atypical non-prototype NFL quarterback. I don't know how many teams have those kinds of guys, especially those teams who have those guys and also an open quarterback position and the capital to go get him. Cause I think his price is going to be very high. I don't know. I don't remember offhand what was given up to get, uh, Deshaun Watson, 
Well, I, I, I know it was a lot, which considering the situation, this, this has got to be multiple, multiple first round picks. It probably because does. I, I think comparing it to comparing it to any action individually, the Browns have taken, I think is unfair to the rational uh, supposed thinking of most other GMs. Cause man, I mean, that trade made no sense at the time it happened, even even ignoring who Deshaun Watson is as a person outside of a football field. My God. But you're right. It would take a King's ransom. Mm-hmm. All right, then let's move into the next matchup. Uh, last one of the wild card weekend, Tampa Bay against Dallas, where Dallas just fucked him up, man. Beautiful thing to see. 31 to 14. Fuck you, Tom Brady. Eat shit, bitch. Uh, The performances are as such. Dak Prescott, 25 for 33, 305 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack, a quarterback rating of 143.3, by far the best we've seen. Uh, Additionally, 24 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. Tom Brady... In a weird-ass stat line, 35 for 66, 351 yards, two touchdowns, an interception, two sacks, a quarterback rating of 72.2. He also uh, fumbled the ball once but did not lose it. Uh, Corwin, tell me what you thought about this one. This is a nice seeing Tom Brady come back for a season and finally, finally show the world he is a mortal human being. Losing uh, record. Um, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, the Cowboys played a really great game. I mean, Dak Prescott went off. Micah Parsons went off. The guys that they built their team around went off, except for you know Zeke. But you know that we are are all aware of that mistake. Um, and the Bucks showed that yeah, they were able to make it into the playoffs because they played in a dog shit division. But they're they were not a good team this year, and they didn't play like a good team Monday night. Uh no, they did not. They they played like the team they've been all season, like a team that doesn't move the ball especially well and plays defense. Not particularly like you know they they stopped the run pretty pretty well. Uh, I would say the um. Tony Pollard ended up with 77 yards, which is sure a whole lot of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, Zeke only had 27. Nobody else really had any. Uh, but they got burned, burned on the uh, the receiving end of things. Dan- Dalton Schultz, 95 yards. CeeDee Lamb, 68 of them. Uh, Michael Gallup, 46. Just, just torched all over the field. Um yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the yeah. Dallas wide receivers also ended up, you know, getting rung up a little bit while preventing the run for, uh, uh, astonishingly well. I mean, Rashad White, 41 yards, Leonard Fournette, 11. Uh, Chris Godwin, though, receiving 85. Julio and Mike Evans each had 74. Uh, but, you know, all things considered, those totals aren't even really that bad, especially for how much volume the. Uh, uh, Tampa was trying to push uh, in the air mm-hmm. game. So uh, I think you take that shit all fucking day. 
Uh, it's also crazy because this was a, this was kind of a slow start of a game. We didn't get a first down until uh, the fifth drive of the game when 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 Dallas got the ball back for the third time. We had four straight three and outs. Um, and then once Dallas got the ball, uh, they scored on four straight drives, scoring on five of six drives uh, before. Uh, you know, running out the clock in their final two drives, just you know, went off with a series of very long drives. Uh, their their four straight touchdown drives were uh, eighty yards, eighty yards, ninety one yards, and eighty six yards. So m- moving the ball. Uh, yeah, uh, I think some big notes from you. Or go ahead. Again, just like a lot more of like the game was almost what we expected uh, as far as the Bucks. The Cowboys impressed, but the thing for me again, like the Ravens, like what, what is the quarterback situation going to be for them next year? I think best case scenario, they get one of Jimmy Garoppolo or, um, what's his face from the Raiders, Derek Carr. I just, if they don't get either one, I think they have a a dark couple years ahead because they have an expensive underperforming leaderless team. <laughs> uh, I think they also have a, a question that, you know, a team like the Ravens doesn't have, which is head coach. Uh, we have a couple other coaching topics to kind of chit chat a little bit about as we uh, wrap up today. But I was a huge supporter of Todd Bowles getting this opportunity again. Uh, because I, I thought he got hosed with the Jets, as almost any head coach with the Jets ultimately gets hosed. Um, and he had two great years being the defensive coordinator under Bruce Arians. I mean, the the Bucks defense was nothing to be fucked with. And, you know, Corbin and I were talking a little bit earlier on about guys who just kind of seem like they're maybe just coordinators, which is fine. It's really looking like Todd Bowles is just a coordinator, which again, mm-hmm. the defenses that he has been the DC of have almost exclusively been great. Like there's not even a mediocre one of the bunch. When he's the DC of your team, he appears to be thriving in that role. Well, when he had coaches, man, it is disappointing. And this was uh, an uninspiring game that Tom Brady really tried to get out from under to drag his team forward and couldn't, which says a lot. I mean, if Tom Brady can't get his way out of how poorly you set up the team for success and not an attempt to minimize the Cowboys defense, the Mm -hmm. Cowboys defense did a great job this game, but I mean, Tom Terrific had a single interception, which whatever, and only two sacks. Like, it's not like the defense lit him up personally. And he put together 350 fucking yards on 66 attempts, but the volume was was there. It, not set up in a way to succeed, though, where any of the actual players were able to accomplish much of anything outside of the air game and nothing on the fucking ground. Once the ball got caught, that was kind of uh, it. 
I don't think a team like this could kind of fall back to this level of talent with, you know, without there being a complete collapse at a singular position, like with the Colts. Um, I mean, Tom Brady was still serviceable as a player and to have that kind of drop with a guy who is still Tom Brady playing at a decent enough level, you know, an above average level, there has to be a lot of other things wrong. And I think, Offensive line issues, an offensive scheme that couldn't, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Couldn't, couldn't change enough with the the changing variables. Underperforming from other key playmakers. There's just too many variables that I think went wrong for them to, uh, to this for this really to be on either Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich or Tom Brady or fucking whoever else you want to put it on. I think it's just a little bit from everybody with definitely some being much bigger factors than others, but I think changes definitely need to come to the box. Uh, do you think Tom Brady plays football next year? And if so, where? Boy, it would really suck if he completely tanked his marriage for a single losing season to capstone his career. Wouldn't um, make me mad at all. So I think he is going to be forced into another season of playing in his own egotistical way. Um, I think he's going to... I don't think he goes to San Francisco. Maybe he goes to Vegas, even though... Man, I don't know. That seems like such a weird almost out of character move you know where i think he would go that's not the jets really i i I think wow yeah um fuck on one hand my first thought was like wow there's no way he would ever live up to expectations there but he doesn't have to He's Tom Brady wearing a patch jersey. I don't think anyone's going to give a fuck if they don't make the playoffs. And you got to wonder how close Belichick is getting to the end of his career, too. Mm -hmm. And you can't help but think there's two dudes out there who both felt like they underperformed this year. who both felt like they still got something to contribute. who both feel like they're at the end of their career and want to make one last push and have worked together for almost 20 fucking years. You can't help but think it would make a lot of sense for both parties. And Matt Patricia is the offensive coordinator. Josh McDaniels doesn't have a job for next year. I can see some guys moving around to get the gang back together, man. It would make a lot of sense. They'd still beat the Jets twice a year. It would line up the sequel to 80 for Brady. I mean, come on. Big money here. There, Yeah, there you go. Brady into his 80s. Jeez. Are, are you going to go see that movie? 80 for Brady? Oh, yeah, that's what I need. A, a, a New England Patriots jerk-off sesh. But and so on, Shane, man, I love Fonda. Sally Field and Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. I, I, I was just watching Norma Ray the other day and enjoying Sally Field and her presence so much. And fuck that movie. I ain't seen that shit. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that movie could premiere, and Rita Moreno is also in it, who is a, I adore. That movie could premiere in my living room and I wouldn't go. 
It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's get into next week's. Uh, or I say this. Sorry, this weekend's matchups. Now that we got through all the games, and just give some some predictions that don't matter. Uh, <laughs> before the uh, games themselves. So the first game of the weekend is Saturday at four thirty. Jaguars Chiefs. Who you got, Corwin? Um, man, I think the Chiefs are gonna fuck them up. It's gonna be ugly. How many? How many interceptions do you think Trevor Lawrence throws in this game? I think he has two. He has two. I can't fathom this game is close. No. No. Even if he goes out and has the the second half from last week over the course of the game, I don't think that would even be enough. I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to say 38-14. Um, I'll I'll play prices right and say 37-14. Suck a dick. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's that's the afternoon game on Saturday. On Sunday, a hell of a matchup. Giants Eagles. Saturday night, 8-15. Whoo, boy, who do you got? I think it will be competitive for a while, and then it's not going to be. I think the Eagles kind of run away at the end. Uh, I'm going to make it a stunner. I say it's the Giants. Sometimes teams got postseason magic, and, and teams on bias can come out a little rusty. Uh, look, do I do I think the probability is high? No, but I'm picking these Giants to win this game. Some something kooky like uh like 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 twenty Isaiah Hodgins helmet catch, ankles. He catches it with his feet. Oh, God, on his back, just 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 snags it with the ankles. Uh, <laughs> all right, the Sunday game, three p.m. This is an interesting one now. Bengals Bills. I think this is going to be an awesome game. I'm taking the Bengals. Interesting. I think it's going to be a close one-score game, but I'm taking the Bengals. Defend your position. Give me give me some prediction you think is baked into that thinking. Um Joe Burrow, um boy, I've been it's a bit of Stockholm syndrome in the household I'm in, but I think he is very much it and I think that offense has too much mojo, too much X factor, too many too much dog guys, in them. too much fucking dog in them. Um, I think the defense has been playing well enough to do enough. Fuck me and my words. I think they've been playing well enough to do well enough against the Bills to slow them down enough. I think it's going to be a barn burner, but I think the Bengals edge it out. I really want to see this game end like 45 42. Like, that would be so fucking so so stupid. What was the game uh I think it was a year before the Rams Super Bowl run, so like 3 years ago when it was like Rams Chiefs and it was like a 50 point game something like that. Do you remember that? Rams Chiefs in the Super Bowl? Like, I think it was like a regular season game. Um in 2018, there was a Rams Chief game. Yes, 54 51 Rams. Hell yeah. I got like 90% of those details. Good job, Corwin. 
Kansas City scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and lost the game. That's sick. That's amazing. That's amazing. The Rams scored at least 10 points in every quarter. That's just so nuts. Uh, Man, what happened? I mean, I'm obviously going to be rooting for the Bengals because I cannot root for the Bills because um, divisional rival, and I would not like to see them succeed. My my head. Would you like? Would you like to see them start a four consecutive AFC championship game losses though? Because that would be pretty. No, I'd prefer it if they did not get there. Um, yeah, it's like one of those things. Is like, oh, would you want to see the Red Sox lose a bunch of World Series? It's like, no, I don't want them to go to the World Series. Who wants that? Like, no, I want them (laughs) to be a basement team forever. Um, so I'd rather I. I do think this is going to be something of a slugfest in, in large part because I know I know we said it was the battle of field position and we detailed it in how, but the fact that the Bills let up 31 points to Skylar fucking Thompson is yeah. absolutely and let up that kind of field position to the Dolphins. That's fucking bananas. And I'm not trying to say that there's like it's it's that that sportsman's thinking of like sports fans thinking of like well if they let up this this and this then they'll allow this this and this if we were this good without a quarterback we'll be this good with a quarterback like anything can happen especially in football it's a nuts kooky sport but you got to be looking at that thirty one points allowed to uh, a hobbled third string Dolphins team and you can't help but think like fucking goddamn the Bengals are so much better than that the Bengals can put in more points than that mm-hmm. and uh, and the the Dolphins defense ain't shit. You know, so to see 34 points dropped on them is kind of like, oh, well, whatever. And if you were to say that that's like the upper bound of what the, the Bills can score, I'm willing to bet the Bills to score more than that. So I'm going to say this game's like uh, fucking 45 to 38. Nuts. Let's get big. Fuck yeah. All right. And that brings us to the last game. It's kind of an interesting game to be the 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 capstone matchup. I'm not quite who I would have figured. More more of a '90s legacy uh, primetime matchup, really more so than a modern day. This is the best game we got. Uh, Cowboys Niners Niners hosting. Who would you take here? The Niners. Um, I think it'll be a, a pretty close game because, despite you know defensive prowess of the 49ers the offensive prowess of the Cowboys right now is very good um I think it'll be close but I think the 49ers take it by 10 points yeah it's kind of a weird game because the Cowboys are coming off one of the best games I think they've had in recent memory and uh, the Niners are too but the Niners it's one of those things with an unproven guy like in the in the middle of a magical run, you know, like you're smack dab in the middle of what feels too good to be true. Uh, it feels like the rug can still be pulled out from underneath you at any moment. It's tough to bet on that. I feel mm-hmm. like at like at just thinking about it like this, at some point, Brock Purdy is gonna have to put up his first stinker of a game. <laughs> he has won six consecutive games to start his career. Like, we're all lying to ourselves if we think that's going to continue forever. At some point, the first loss has to has to happen. And so I'm not saying that that's going to be this game. But with every passing win, the odds that the first loss is around the corner kind of increases, statistic probability speaking. Um, 
So I I worry. That's the only concern, though, I really have for the Niners. The only th- reason I think the Niners would lose this game is, is because of Brock Purdy. So if Brock Purdy plays mediocre to buns, then it's uh it's 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 Dallas all day every day. But if it's uh if it's the Brock Purdy who's throwing up, you know, an easy 275 yards on like somehow only 20 pass attempts, then then the Niners are, are you know, two stepping all the way to the championship game. I agree with that. I think they are too. All right. So then that's the matchups we have looking forward into uh, this weekend. This That's the divisional round matchups. Last thing before we get out of here, coaching shit. Um, specifically, Mine and Corwin's team's yes. offensive coordinators. <laughs> uh, Corwin. Yes. Matt Canada is being retained for sure, according to the Steelers for the yep. 2023 season. I, you claimed that you had a rant. I'm not sure you've ever truly ranted. I want to hear a rant. No, I just, we joke on here about how I am a Steelers fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm deadly serious. How I am a Steelers fan. And it is quite a different world I have grown up in as far as my personal favorite NFL football team in regards to organizational stability, success, expectations, the fact that I have been blessed with a Hall of Fame franchise quarterback, Hall of Fame head coach, very, very good players and a lot of success over the years. And don't get me wrong. I understand that and appreciate that greatly. This does not feel like this. Well, um, it is very much the Steelers I know, but it is such a blind spot for the team. It drives me insane. I understand that the goal of the organization is to create stable success and that has been their championing focus and the ultimate result over the past i don't know 20 years of how stable they have been as a franchise but i think this is a short-sighted and a decision to be made on precedent rather on what is needed. Matt Canada, if he had a terrible first season, he did not have a good first or second season before the bye. It was fucking awful. We have completely turned it around after the bye and only then brought up the overall season to maybe average as far as offensive ability. Overall, we scored the fewest touchdowns in the league. We were the worst offense in the NFL with an offensive line that played every single snap together. A first-round running back who has proven himself to be a marquee guy. We have a pro bowler in Deontay Johnson. We have a future pro bowler in George Pickens, and we have a first-round pick at quarterback. And the peak of our offensive ability is 15th. That's what we were over the course of the season after the bye, 15th in offense. If that is your absolute peak, why the fuck are you a top-tier offensive coordinator in the NFL? Or at least employed by a top-tier team that 
by all means, should be able to get the guys like Eric Bieniemy, the Brian Dables, the you know Lafleur's, the the guys who go to successful teams and take them to the next level. Guys that go to bad teams and take them to the next level. The Steelers fucking suck at hiring assistant coaches. And if that is the worst aspect of this team, I am an incredibly lucky person. But it is so obvious and has been forever. It drives me nuts. So, let's say... Because obviously, if, if the Steelers come out next season and, and play really well offensively, you say, "Okay, well, I, I eat my words." Matt Canada flourished, and you know, you keep him another year. Like that's the easiest situation to deal with, right? But what what do you do if it's stagnant? And how do you you know kind of like differentiate that between the Kenny Pickett development, uh, and then what do you do if things get worse? are muted thank you the big talking point for guys in matt canada's corner were that it was a head coach decision to simplify the offense for mitchell trubisky coming in kenny pickett coming in it is a very quote-unquote complicated pre-snap a lot of motion all the same formations, but a lot of intricacies in how you expand on that, which in theory can be incredibly successful. And that's why Matt Canada was hired, but we've never seen that. And if it was a head coaching decision to dumb it down, okay, that's if that's your reasoning, okay. It would have been nice to see that kind of extrapolate inability over the course of the season, not necessarily jump up and, you know, take a jump once everyone's healthy after the bye and then kind of plateau. If it works next year and it works incredibly well, okay, we can take it year by year. I would never feel comfortable giving him a long-term contract. And if it stagnates, I don't think you can keep him. I think there's too much talent and too much growth as far as what is being asked of offensive schemes to live at the top of the NFL, to have a guy that you believe in, but has never shown results. I'd have to imagine. Anything short of massive improvement is a failure. That'll be my final thought. That's fair. I'd have to also imagine that the leash will be a little bit shorter with the quarterback situation being what it is. Because this is also one of the things, you know, I'm speaking as a Jets fan who's been through this a bunch of times, like one of the other kind of negotiations you have to make in in your decision-making on this is how long are we willing to put up? Like We have to decide, is the issue at hand the offensive scheme or the ability of this new quarterback young quarterback to perform up to the needed ability for the scheme to work. And you have to kind of diagnose that issue and what the jets have done. And I'm trying to think of an example where it's gone the other way. And I can't think of one offhand. So I'm going to go ahead and say most teams I think typically do is 
make it a money conversation. Replacing a quarterback is significantly more expensive and more risky than it is to replace yes. the offensive coordinator. So the default there has been to just replace the coordinator, which I mm-hmm. also think is probably the right decision, um, which is why all that long-winded way of saying, uh, I'd have to imagine that there's increased pressure on Matt Canada to turn the offensive around, uh, offense around next season because you're trying to figure out if Kenny Pickens can be the guy for you going forward. Um Whereas maybe he'd have a longer leash if this was 2012 and Ben Roethlisberger was still going to be here for a few years. Mm-hmm. So I think that's at play there too. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one I've come to expect at this point. Um, a fun, flashy offense with what the Steelers have would be very exciting. I just, I think that this variables in play as far as health opportunity, things like that aren't going to reach this again. I understand Kenny Pickett is going to have a full off season as number one to get, you know, a complete understanding of the offense, but uh, you know, I get that he's going to get more experience and he's going to get better, but that was supposed to be his strong suit coming out of college and what he's shown to be, you know, one of the bigger positives about his play is that he is prepared. He is um, able to go th- like he has an understanding of what he needs to do in the offense. That's that's not where the fault lies. And I'm concerned that that only that is a window into what we're going to have next year, which is it doesn't really matter how well you execute it. There's a there's a ceiling there. I'm with you. Uh, I was going to mention some uh, Jets OC candidates, but we're running long, and I feel like getting out of here. I got to eat dinner. So, sure. uh, fuck it. The, the the Jets are dumb. Look, they're making bad decisions, <laughs> potentially at offensive coordinator. So, par for the course. Uh, all right, so that's it. We're probably are, are going to skip recording again. Um, so don't expect another Monday episode as we're in the midst of the of the playoffs. This, I mean, and until. Until after the Super Bowl, there's there's nothing to say on Sunday uh, because, you know, baseball's quiet right now. Pitchers and catchers report in just under 50 days, which is exciting, but there's no real news as of, as of late. And uh, the only thing to really get into is football games. So We do have some big baseball news. Carlos Correa is still a Minnesota twin. Still a Minnesota twin. not gone four in a row. Not yet. Not yet. We'll see how he if he lasts until opening day. <laughs> um all right. Well, then, uh, yeah. So that's that for today. Uh, until next time, if you guys want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do at Juicing Pod. If you'd like to follow Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And uh, until next Wednesday, next Thursday, uh, you all have a good one. Bye.